Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Hey, Coach Linda, here you are live on Expansion Cast. How does it feel to be here and welcome? I'm excited, Roger. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, man, we've been trying to get together for quite a while and do a podcast. And so I, I'm so interested to see where we're going to flow today because we actually haven't identified a topic. And I mean, I think it, it kind of makes sense to where everything in the world is right now. It just seems like we have to be in this flow state to actually exist in it, like to not resist all the temptations of uh, feeling like we're traumatized, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So surrender, surrender has been my word I keep accept and surrender my words I keep um, saying to myself almost like mantras you know just surrender de- being defined as accepting the things we cannot control yeah 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 so are we trying to control anything by not making a plan <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I, I think that um I think that actually it's natural to want to feel in control and to try to control. And most of our lives are spent trying to control. It's, it's mm-hmm. seems to be the word of the day and the week and the month. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the concept of it. I, I get why we do it as humans. And I, I, I catch myself every minute of every day, <laughs> you know, in control, wanting to be in control trying to create some illusion of control. Yeah. So um, I was with a client today and and uh, we were talking about uh, the difference between control and manipulation. What do you think? What do you think is the difference there? Mm. Wow. Mm. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of similarity. Did you, did mm-hmm. you guys think that they're very different? Because to me, it seems like there's a lot of similarity when we're we're not flowing and accepting the way things are. We're trying to change them. We're trying to manipulate them to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, like, uh, yeah. What did you guys come up with? I'm curious. <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of came up with that control um, I think we're giving it a bad rap right now. I think control is really nice when we need to set boundaries, when we need to set, um, establish a, a space of safety. Um, but at the same time, those boundaries need to be pushed and that control released a bit. And I think manipulation is when we're manipulating everybody around us so that we can attain some sort of sense of control. Is that, you know what I mean? That's, those are, that is hardly discernible between those two things that you're describing. I mean, 
you know, if you're going to try and create an environment that makes you that makes you feel safe and set boundaries, you know, safety is an illusion also. So, mm -hmm. so like, it's only in our mind, like, if I have this, then I'll feel safe. You know, we just made that up the story we're telling ourselves. So mm -hmm. if, if we're and, and what is it that we need the if I have this, then I'll feel safe? Is it I need other people to behave in a certain way because then you get into manipulation, right? You're trying to control the people to get them to do things that that you need done for your for your benefit. Yeah, yeah. What is my benefit? Mm. <laughs> well, well, whatever your perceived benefit is in the moment, I suppose, right? So what you yeah. think what you think is to your benefit, which, which, which doesn't leave room for the divine to, to, to be in charge there. So, yeah, I like that. The, the, the allowing the divine to be in charge. Yeah. That's a great place to let's go there. How do you feel about that? Does that feel like a good topic for you? I mean, we're already into topic, but. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's great. You can talk about it. <laughs> you know, I, I thought we had Roger and I had a quick uh, chat on the weekend about some stuff and something that you said about the divine that really resonated for me that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the div divinity and the drama. Mm -hmm. Just uh, yeah. that phrase, right? And and I never, I never thought of it like that before, but I always did look for the lesson. You know, yeah. what is what is the lesson in this uncomfortable situation? otherwise could be labeled drama. I think drama is a pretty judgmental, heavily, um, heavy word. And, uh, and so, you know, being, being excited about finding the treasure in the trigger and being uh, willing to be curious and courageous enough to look at mm -hmm. what's the divinity and the drama and the treasure in the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting that uh, that we're, we're in survival. We're always like seeming to divide everything, divide and conquer, and set make things separate. When in reality, everything, from my perspective, is part of the divine. It's all part of this one amazing essence that, and and everything's flowing in that essence. Um, so how do we? suddenly look at drama because it's got such a bad rap and people have a hard time accepting it and being in it and seeing all those gifts. How do we say that that's not part of the divine? How that how how do we say that that's not part of a divine plan for us to evolve? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an opportunity for sure. And we can we can choose to pay attention to that opportunity and do something with it or ignore it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what is your, what's one of the, what's one of the most difficult drama triangle episodes you've gone through and come out the other side with a big win? Oh, one that you're, one that you're actually hesitant to share. Oh, wow. Like all of them. I'm such a private person. And <laughs> And also a, a thing for me is like protecting the privacy of the other person who's in the triangle, who's, who is part mm -hmm. of, of the upset. Right. Um, and, and being mindful of um, being mindful of respecting um, 
people's privacy. So yeah. I think that I think that uh, um, you know to answer your question and be very brief and vague, I could say that um, that I had a significant relationship that uh, that I allowed to really change me because I. I went through the drama of it, you know, the, all of the stages, the new relationship energy, the excitement, the, the, all of the, the chemistry, all the, you get love drunk in the beginning and, and, um, and then, you know, the fall from grace that inevitably happens in intimate relating with someone, you know what I'm talking about. I see you nodding now. And, um, and then, you know, to complete transition of that relationship to a, to a whole different form. And instead of Xing that person out of my life, you know, with a big black grease marker off the Christmas list, no, you know, figuring out what's available to us now that works for both of us. And what, what, it, what, it, what of this do we still want to hold on to? What, what, what is valuable and what, what uh, can support both of us? What can be supportive and useful to both of us? And how can we go forward to co-create something that looks and feels good for the two of us, um, where we're, we're making some kind of difference in each other's and other people's lives. And so I would say that my, my most greatest dramatic upset in a relationship um, was the one that we have been able to live our values and practice what I preach about nonviolent communication and um, and Tantra and to be find the place of yes, like where can I be a yes with this person um, in and and believe me, I, I, I was like a little rat in a maze. I, I was trying all the routes, you know, I was trying, well, I'll try it this way, you know, like I'll just do everything that he's asking for that he wants. And I realized how self-abandoning that was for me and how painful. And then it was, well, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna take a stand for what I want and, and only accept that. Well, and so what's happening is the pendulum, right? It's, it swings to those big extremes on the, on the spectrum, all, all the way one way and all the way other way is never gonna be the way. And it's going to have to be the pendulum will land as it slows down somewhere in the middle. And it'll be, it, it won't be a fixed place. Like almost nothing is a fixed place in life. It, it'll, it'll vacillate, but not so greatly. And we'll find a place of peace in the middle that has something for both of us that really works. Mm -hmm. Do you have to be together to find that place or, or can you just have this relationship that's all this hot mess and then psh, done and walk away and then find <laughs> well, those pieces there? Sure. And may, maybe that's your place of peace. I, I mean, that's that's my place of peace with my my ex-husband. Um, we're, you know, we're we're not together. And mm -hmm. also there's definitely peace between us. And at any moment, you know, I know that I could. I could make a call and, and share something uh, that, you know, that's up for me or something about something that has happened with family that I think he might want to be aware of. Like there's no, um, there's no strict rules on no communication, but we're not in any kind of regular communication. And yet 
I feel so much peace and I wish him well. And I could even say, I love him, you know, on a certain level, because I just don't think that that love stops. And, and I see when people break up and, and they go from, you know, they were passionately, madly in love with this person to now they're hating them and they're warring against them. And I, I just see passion. And so to me, where there's hate, there's love. Uh, it's Absolutely. just really intense expression of emotion on both both ends so you know so what i'm talking about is uh finding finding a place where the where you don't have to cancel that person out of your life and so this cancel culture thing that's going on is very concerning to me right now we could talk about that um well, i would love to yeah because what i first, see first doing, first I want to want you to answer one thing first, though, because we've gone we've gone into the uh, interview for about twenty minutes. So I want to drop into one other thing first. Okay. Sure. I want to know who Linda is without any facade. Who you are at your core? <sighs> um, I'm just someone who wants to love and be loved. Okay. Cool. How you, how's that for a bio? <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> and, and it felt, letters it felt, behind the name and the training and the certificates and the experience and all of that yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nice okay let's move forward Thanks for that. culture what, what did you say something about canceling culture. cancel culture so what, what is it what is it so cancel culture my interpretation of it and i did not google this before we started the call but but what i'm seeing and what um how i'm interpreting cancel culture these days is when somebody uh doesn't agree with you you don't you don't have like minds or you know you you throw your opinion out there and it's not an echo chamber you're not just getting it your exact opinion echoed right back to you then um, what's happening when I'm seeing people do is cancel those people out of their lives. And so it's like what I said about taking that big black grease marker and putting an X through their name and, you know, they're off your Christmas list and more, like a lot more. Like you don't talk to them anymore, you delete them on social, you block them, you know, you, you, you block their number, whatever. And, and maybe you even have a big falling out on social where you, where harsh things are said. And so I, I think that, um, this concept of like, we, if we don't, if we don't agree, then that means we can't be friends is really concerning. I mean, it's concerning on the micro and it's massively concerning on the macro level, right? Mm -hmm. How, how will we have peace in our world? And we have a lot of big problems to solve right now. And so we need to actually be coming together as a strong united force, as opposed to a, um, you know, divide and conquered visible force that isn't isn't going to serve us in solve in in what we need to get up to 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 solve the issues that the that are currently facing us, and within um, within this context of the environment that we're in, where there's uh, more maybe time to be paying attention to things like social media and less time to being face to face with people, we're also more courageous people are more courageous to say harsh things in uh in that kind of setting than they are when you're with them face to face do you notice that yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. yeah yeah and also we don't have a feedback loop so 
you know, it's really great to be able to see, I saw you smiling when I started saying, mm, you know, we maybe are a little harsher in, in, uh, in a media setting than we are face to face. And I could read your body language that you were resonating with that. And so there's a feedback loop for me. And, and when we're just posting comments on some kind of social media or DMing, uh, you know, we're not getting a feedback loop. We're not seeing how what we say affects the other person. And so, well, yeah, that what we're seeing is how what we say is interpreted by somebody else. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and where they want to go, really. Yeah. Well, we're seeing the reactivity, the reaction yeah. to it, which, which is potentially a sign of how, how, how they're, how they are interpreting what we're saying. And that interpretation may or may not be accurate because communication is not just about words. And there's, it's certainly not about words on a flat surface. It's really all these other cues, social cues that we have learned to use to interpret someone's communication, their gestures, their facial expressions, their tone of voice, their volume of voice, their speed of talking. Not, you know, you, you and I get into some good conversations sometimes, and you could tell when I get passionate about a subject, I start talking faster, maybe louder, you know, my eyes maybe get bigger. And, and instead of interpreting that as me being upset or angry, you, you could use those cues to say, oh, this is something that really means something to Linda. She really cares about this topic. So I could say like a whole bunch of words, slow words like sex, responsibility, no shift on responsibility, but sex, you had a big shift. <laughs> <Thanks for watching. laughs> well, you know, I like to talk about sex. I mean, this is, this is a good portion of my day spent talking about sex. So, um, yeah, so that's the hot topic for me. Responsibility is like a little bit not so fun of a topic. <laughs> How about um, shame culture? Hmm. How do you define it? Oh, I just come up with that. It just came to my head. Um, and how would I would describe it is it's a culture that is just shaming everybody for not accepting their perceived norms, one's, you know, one's perceived norms, one's perceived safety. So mm -hmm. I mean, with and with shame comes segregation, mm -hmm. separation. Mm -hmm. We all know that when when we ourselves shame ourselves in one way or another, we create some sort of separation within, right? Mm -hmm. Within our mind, within our body, when we're shaming, and it's just happening on a, on a cultural level now. So maybe it's a blessing. I don't know. Maybe this whole cancel culture, shame culture thing is wonderful because it's going to create some huge awareness that's going to ripple down into the hearts of humanity. love your attitude to just surrender and accept and be in the flow of it all like it's admirable i like sincerely it's it's uh it's beautiful you know i i tend to have a lot of resistance in me you know i, I tend to be judgmental like most of us and make up my mind about something it's and and decide that you know i want to support that or i don't want to support that and um and I, 
Yeah, and I think that's what I was speaking to when I said I'm concerned about cancel culture is I was saying I'm, I'm not in support of that. And I think that, that, that another way could be to learn how to hear each other, see each other and understand each other, accept what the other person is saying, even when it's different from our point of view, without shame, without blame, without criticism, without defensiveness even, not arguing it, like really hearing each other and, and sit in that uncomfortable place of us not having the same point of view. Yeah, exactly. Whew, I processed a big one last week, week before, and and it was around my my mother and abandonment, and uh, I had found that I was every time I was with somebody, a female mostly, who was in this victim loop, was in the huge victim loop. Everything was about being a victim. I would get triggered, I would be angry, and I'd just want to fix, fix, fix from the, you know, from the unhealthy masculine, right? So I'd move and then try and fix, but you know, that doesn't work, because all that does is create, drops me right into the drama triangle, and then there's like freaking just chaos happening. So I, I found that was happening. So I was like, okay, invited a friend over. So I sat down, we did some role playing, and I just kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper into it to see what my root was where, you know, where it was all coming from. And yeah, so I ended up dropping into, you know, my mom being in this victim space all the time. And by her being in the victim space, as I was growing up, in a sense, she abandoned me because she was always so worried about herself and not the kids, you know, she was always like, me, 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 you know, and uh, so it was very interesting. But and then I was like, well, I processed that long time ago, I've forgiven her, blah, 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 you know, and then I was like, <clears throat> but there's something deeper, there's something deeper. And then I found it. And then it was like, my heart hurts for her. My heart really is wound, the wound inside myself feels for her. And it's really sad that she's spent 70 some years on earth, or 60 some years on earth, being in this space, being the victim, playing the victim. Um, and what a and by doing that, she's always separating herself from everybody. She's alone, you know, and that's what hurts. That's what hurts seeing that, seeing seeing my mother as that person and not being able to do anything. And, you know, in that moment, I just sat back and said, you know, this, this isn't mine. It's this is her path. This is her life. And me fixing it is just selfish. Me trying to reach out and fix something in her is selfish. And so I just let that sit in me for a while. And uh, so I invited a, a female friend over who triggered me heavily. And I said to her, I said, hey, I processed something. I just want to see if that same triggers with me. And she was, okay, let's do it. So she came over. We spent about six hours together and not one trigger, none. And it was beautiful. Like this, my experience of her was so much different. Mm. So what I'm hearing is that you got to a place of compassion for your mom and away from blame or shame. And, uh, and also I'm curious if you have self-compassion because you were raised by a mom who couldn't be fully present for you in that role 
as she was busy caring for herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have lots of self-compassion. <laughs> I forgive myself for lots of things I do for sure. And I and I spend time with myself. Uh, I was listening to a song one day um, and it was about loving somebody or and uh you know i just sat with my hands on my chest and i was like singing it to myself you know it was me to myself singing about how how much i love myself and it was beautiful yeah so i think it's there there's a beautiful song by jaya jagdish called in dreams and i find that to be like that and i put one hand on my heart and one hand on my solar plexus and i kind of breathe and and just circulate the energy between those two and um and I and I just feel into the song and and allow it to support me feeling loved, being love. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what I see happening on a bigger sense, you know, in culture. I see that happening where we're gonna have to make make a big shift and finally come to a place where we realize that we have to bridge the the gap bridge that, that separation and find that common peace where we can love each other. Mm. Like you were saying, I don't think it'll happen if we keep canceling everyone who doesn't agree with us because mm -hmm. in diversity lies our strength. And I think that we need these different ways of being and and ways of being different in order to find solutions to the big problems. And so I, I want to celebrate differences and I want to celebrate different points of view. You know, when uh, when you and I have a conversation, um, I'm not calling you so that you'll just tell me back everything I'm saying and, and be and, and this echo chamber thing that we're creating, especially with social media that people spend so much time on, um, I think is, is dangerous and unhealthy and unrealistic, you know, because because it's not allowing us to challenge our thoughts. And so I was saying, when I, when I ring you up or, or message and say, hey, can we have a quick reconnect? You know, my intention with that is not so that you'll disagree with everything I have to say. It's so that you'll support me in seeing everything that's in my blind spots. And we have lots of blind spots. And I mean, this is my analogy for why people need to hire a coach. You know, I, I often explain to people who are thinking about the decision of hiring a coach. Well, when you're driving a car, you know, do you have blind spots or can you absolutely see everywhere from your seat? No, you, you have blind spots. We know that that's the first thing we learn when we learn how to drive. And so if I'm sitting in the passenger seat with you, I don't have my foot on the gas. I don't have any access to the brake. I'm not steering the wheel either as your coach in the passenger seat beside you, but I can see all the places that you can't see, you know, mm -hmm. and, and together we can, you know, go looking for what, what are, what are the blind spots that may be ready to be illuminated and could be very life-changing for you. Um, so that, and by life-changing, I mean, getting out of the patterns, getting out of the habitual unconscious patterns that we find ourselves in. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times we're just going through life with our habitual patterns of unconsciousness. Yeah. <laughs> I, like that, relating? I, like, I like that you brought cars into it because I had a, a client who phoned me up and she said, hey, something's going on with my car. It's making this noise and my light's on. And I said, 
when's the last time you checked the oil? (laughs) So she checks the oil and it was right empty. There was like, she, she said she could just barely see it on the tip of the dipstick. And, you know, in that sense, that's like abandoning a car, you know, not nurturing the car or looking after it and doing all the little things that we need. And that's kind of like self, right? We need to look after ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Have we, yeah. have we checked our oil lately? How are our levels? Oh boy. Great new world reference there. How is, how is your oil? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it, it vacillates. I mean, it's interesting times. And uh, I am very extremely blessed and grateful to have such an incredibly powerful and large network of, of support around me, of, of uh, fascinating, capable, interesting, and willing people. You, you know, because when, when I experience challenging times, as in the last 11 months, there have been lots of, I have somewhere to go, someone to call on. And the darkest hours, and there've been some dark hours there, you know, I'm not gonna deny um, the, the, the dark nights of the soul, you know, in those moments, I actually found that it was hard to think about who I could call on. And what I had to do, I have a little strategy I could share. Yeah. What, you know, and I'm not, I'm not prone to depression or anxiety, but I think that the, that this, this circumstance that we're all finding ourselves in is, is, is bringing out, um, a lot, a lot of things in us that we maybe didn't know we had or that weren't weren't appearing before or just weren't there weren't relevant weren't weren't even in the space and <clears throat> and so i i actually usually had a very hard time understanding people who suffered with depression not having compassion for them i i could access that but i really had a hard time imagining myself in their shoes because i had just never experienced those kind of sensations and I can say in the last 11 months, I've experienced some of that. And it, it, I, th- I blame the social isolation because I'm, a, I'm an extroverted introvert. So I, I need connection with others. Also, touch is my number one love language. So having me uh, not, not being able to give and receive touch is some form of punishment in my mind. And so there were some dark nights of the soul. And, uh, and I realized, and I, and I have even more empathy now for people who are challenged with depression, um, that in the moment when I was in the darkest place, I really believed somehow, I convinced myself that I had no one to call upon. There was no one there. Like my mind was blank. And I have a massive network of support. Like I am so fortunate and blessed. And even I couldn't think of somebody. And so here's my trick, my hack. I made a list of names. And this list of names is here for me to call or text or reach out to when I feel that way again. So I can never say to myself, I can never lie to myself and say, there's nobody to call. And, uh, and one time I went through 17 people before I found somebody who was available. Because also, my request doesn't obligate the person the way that I asked for that. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if they have capacity, if they're in a space, you know, if they're available, you know, I could use a chat and, and, and timing, you know, for some people was just not, it wasn't 
their timing to be available to support me. And so it took asking quite a few people to get to somebody, but I got to somebody. Mm -hmm. And you know, by the time I was done talking to that person, even though it wasn't a long conversation, maybe under 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes maximum, my energy had completely shifted and I felt totally differently. And so I really think it's important to, to know who your allies are, who's, who's on your team, who can you call on when needed, and to, to have that list written down so that you can access the list when your brain is not actually functioning properly to use logic. Mm -hmm. So how do you think we tell, can, can see the difference? I mean, if we talk about depression, sometimes depression there's an, there's a there's a saying that if we're in depression, sometimes we just really need deep rest. And how, how do you tell the difference between that sort of depression and then the depression that maybe is happening from too much depressed? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a, I'm not an expert on the topic of depression. That isn't my area of expertise. I'm only speaking from my personal experience here. Um, I also was taught by one of my mentors that depression is anger turned inward. And, uh, and so often as a coach, uh, I will ask what is not being expressed. I'll get curious about what's not being expressed. If there's a lot of depression, I'm curious to know what are you really angry about? What is not being said that needs a voice? And maybe the person could journal so that they could hear their own voice. Maybe they can talk to a friend, you know, that maybe mm -hmm. they can get counseling um, if, if needed, et cetera. And I mean, and, and, then, and then, you know, we're not even talking about uh, the neurology of it and for someone who might need some medication. Uh, and again, that's not my area of expertise. Uh, I just know that um, chronic depression, of course, goes on. Clinical depression is chronic and goes on indefinitely. And, uh, and that isn't what I experienced, you know, I was able to come out of it. And I use some other strategies, as I'm sure you do as well, like dance and movement and, um, and, and interestingly, and I don't know if you followed me when I was doing um, dance one song a day, you know, in, um, mm, in oh, I missed that. <laughs> 2019 to 2020, I had this like I would post one song a day that I was dancing to. And it was something that, you know, made me move that day. And I would move my body as a form of meditation, a dynamic meditation to one song a day. And I encouraged other people to, and I would post my one song a day on, on my social. And, <clears throat> and this year, what is really interesting is I'm moving my body more now, like I am dancing. Like something will come on and I'll dance to it. And I don't have to have it be, you know, a, a thing to check off the list and an intention. Like on my phone, I put a reminder, post your song and that would come up every day and, and dance one song, you know, the, the, the nudge. And this year, what is call, being called for is to sing one song. And it's interesting to me because of course, for almost a year now, I've not been able to facilitate workshops. You know, we our last one was just this weekend, but we had not done one since March the 7th or 8th. That was the very last one before, you know, the world changed in the before times. And so the, the interesting thing of it is that I think 
I feel like I'm not using my voice. And especially because I'm hardly in contact with anyone, right? In, in, in the real life where I can see them doing lots of virtual stuff, but I just want to, to use this chakra to open this up. And of course, by, by expressing more, I'll be hearing better too. How's your voice for singing? <laughs> well, you know, this is interesting. My, my, my dear friend, Mira Black, who's a beautiful um, singer and performer and talented um, individual. I said to her, I wrote her and I said, is it possible that my voice got better somehow as I've gotten older? Because I'm positive I used to be completely tone deaf. I mean, I took piano lessons and, and in, the, in the exam, the Royal Conservatory exam, I had to hide my eyes and, the, and the, the examiner would play, you know, four notes or five or whatever it was and I had to repeat them and I couldn't, I couldn't have found them on the keyboard to save my life. And um, I failed, of course, grade six conservatory exam. And the, and the comments in my evaluation were extremely harsh. Um, and the other thing was keeping time. Like he would clap a rhythm and I was supposed to clap it back and I couldn't do that either. So there, you know, I just failed in all those areas. So, so lately I feel like I'm singing really well. Like I feel like I sound great. And of course there is no one here to tell me any differently. <laughs> So I've been enjoying it. I've just been watching it out, loving it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, we have to have a song to sing along with, buddy. <laughs> what, what song do you want me to share? And, and you know, and the other thing I want to say is that I did have an ear surgery in September. Mm. And I have now uh, much better hearing in my right ear than I've had for a really long time. And I wonder if that might be contributing to me being able to enjoy singing and hearing the sound of my own voice a little more. Perhaps, perhaps. I noticed since I've been losing my hearing to some degree that I've been projecting my voice a lot more. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It happens. So that you can hear yourself. I think so. Well, I think I, I feel, I don't, I don't know. There's so many, I could go so deep into it and there's so many places to go with it, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I got some hearing loss and so I do project a little bit more, but I've also been pushing myself like, you know, like you say, when you're singing all the time and pushing that edge, you know, I've been pushing my edge in social media and public speaking and different things, places where I was always, too shy, too sensitive to step into, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, watch that. Um, there's a documentary on the what sensitive people, they call it highly sensitive people, HSP. Have mm -hmm. you, have you seen that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is, that is totally me growing up. It was amazing. And I still get that, but Maybe some of my hearing sensitivities have changed and helped me adapt, plus all the work I'm doing, so. Right, well, I'm super impressed and in awe of you having a podcast and streaming to Facebook and YouTube channel and putting yeah. it in all the places because I, I've really been um, struggling to have myself be outed quite that much and mm. it's super vulnerable, so really, really impressed by your courage to, to step up to that and learn the technologies that go along with it. Like, I just want to work with people and help them. You know, I, I want to, 
And, and my greatest passion comes from two settings, whether I'm working with a couple or an individual coaching and supporting them to change the dynamics in their relationships and their, therefore make their life more wonderful. Or if I'm doing that because I'm leading a big group and nothing excites me or lights me up more than when I'm mic'd and costumed and I'm in front of a room and I've got 40 or whatever people in there and I'm facilitating and guiding and leading some kind of experience for them. And, and it's the feedback, right? It's the look on their faces. It's the glowing. It's the smiles. It's, it's maybe tears, but it's the how they are literally transformed in that three hour time period and experience. And I can't even tell you how much I miss doing that. Like it's, it's overwhelming. It's, it's like if any, any person who, um, you know, had found finally the thing in life that gives them the most joy and it's really their passion. And I was just getting to do that for a couple of years. And then boom, someone said, we're closing the doors on this. You're, you know, the party's over, no more fun. And it's, it's been killing me. It literally has been killing me. And so that's why, of course, this past weekend, I should clarify, we didn't host a live event where, you know, anybody got together in any kind of illegal gathering or anything like that. We did it online. We did it online, the way of the world now. And, and, you know, it actually provided some benefits to some people. Um, mm -hmm. the online, like I'm imagining with what you're doing, you have a bigger reach than you had before. And so I had, I had, um, a couple from the U S who purchased a ticket, a couple of people from BC, some from the islands, some from the interior, and none of those people would have been able to come to my live event. Right. So mm -hmm. these, this was a real benefit from, from the situation that they're able to attend, um, something that they wouldn't have been able to have access to. And uh, there was also an element of privacy because people were in their own home with their beloved and they could turn their camera off or turn it away and not feel watched, not feel under, you know, observed and have, have privacy too. Cause when, you know, you've been to my events and we do them in the big room, whether it's a private penthouse suite or if it's a, a community center you know there's people right next to you on both sides and you're all together and there's a certain synergy that's created with that kind of thing as well and a hundred candles and all the rose petals and all of that creates a beautiful environment this is just different one is I'm gonna say not not better or worse just different and for different reasons so I surrendered yeah. to that <laughs> you know I I just, when COVID started, right before the lockdown, I went to an event place and I said, hey, I'm going to do um, a Tantra event, two of them, and can you host them? And they said, yes. And it was weird. I felt so uncomfortable about it. There's just something off about it. And then uh, booked it off, got a whole bunch of people signed up. And then, of course, it got shut down. <laughs> <laughs> and so a couple of them have asked me to do it online and I was hesitant. I've done some other things online, but it feels like the people that paid their money to do an in-person event, it still feels that that's going to be a way different experience. And their intention was for that experience, not for an online. And you know what I mean? So that, so I'm still going to continue and have those people come into an event probably in March, because from what I read today, March, everything's going to be back open. If that, I think that's what it is. 
Yeah, no more masks, nothing. You just back to 100% in March. That's what I read online, a government post or something. What? Send me the link. I'm I'm celebrating and I'm I'm just booking my venues then. I mean, you know, I was even willing. I had a whole plan figured out and that was willing to have people stay with their cohort person and create, you know, 10 feet of space, more than two meters between and have us. Uh, a schedule for arrival and departure so that they're not coming on mass standing in big lines like I had all of this stuff figured out even things about the washroom and how we handle all of that and we were totally ready to go forward with it and had a, a enormously huge and more expensive venue because we wouldn't normally need to rent that large of a space but when you've got to put that much room between everyone um, we needed a, a way bigger space I had that all sorted all compliant and then no gatherings of any size, boom, the ax fell. And, you know, and so, so many times, I mean, the ups and the downs, the emotional roller coaster ride of, of wanting to just do my work and live my passion and my truth. And, and in this environment, it's, it's been, you know, when I said accept and surrender, man, I've been focused on that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So what, when, when we're in surrender and we know we have to surrender, we, there's always something we're resisting. That's, that's what's calling us to surrender. How do, we, how do we recognize that piece that we're resisting and how that piece is uh, integral to um, expansion? Mm. Uh, I mean, for me, the place of recognizing what I'm resisting um also has a flip side to it which is what is what is being violated right now that is screaming to be honored mm. does that make sense a little bit i'd like to hear a little bit more yeah so like if i'm resisting taking my live events online what is the thing that is 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 is, you know, the little kid in the aisle at the grocery store jumping up and down having a complete temper tantrum. What is it in me that's having that? Well, I, you know, for me, what I had to acknowledge was I finally found the thing that lights me up more than anything in all of life, you know, at, at this age. And I just had a big birthday on Friday, as you know. And so like, you know, at this, at this stage and age of my life, despite the, the many careers I've had, I finally found the thing that I feel like is my purpose, my life's work. And what brings me more passion, you know, and more joy than anything I've ever done. And, and now somebody said, you can't do that. Sorry, you can't do that. You can't do that thing. And so the, my little girl inside is, is stamping her feet and, and jumping up and down and, and absolutely throwing a complete temper tantrum to, to say, to resist that, to say, that's not okay with me. Mm -hmm. So I had to honor the place in me that had that dream and that, and that had that story, that this is the thing, you know, that I'm meant to do. And that I, this is the only thing. And this is the, buff the holy grail or whatever it is and that i can't be happy you know whatever other aspects of the story that go along with it like am i telling myself that i can't be happy if i can't do that am i telling myself i can't 
be successful or can't earn a living or can't, you know, have the things I want, can't be who I am. Like, what am I telling myself about that? And I, I'm just wanting to like honor that because once I acknowledge those places and spaces, I'll probably find it easier to accept and surrender whatever the current conditions are. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's probably, I think it's for sure that you will. Mm. So that's, that's been my journey. And that, that, that came partly, you know, through those dark nights of the soul. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, dark nights of the soul. Don't we die in that? <laughs> like that's what happened. <laughs> right. Like I just, I just died to that. Like I had to let go of all of that, yeah. of all that story. Any, any story, any construct that I was making up all of it. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you about my death recently? Mm -mm. You died. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, we're pretty good friends. You, you think that you would have mentioned this to me, but okay, that's good. <laughs> okay, so I told you about all the, the uh, transition I was doing around the abandonment and blah, blah, blah earlier today. Yeah. About yeah. moving beyond that and letting all that go. The oddest thing is, is it felt like that was the very last piece that I had to let go. It was done. It was like, you know, the onion, I got to the middle of the fucking onion. Yeah, finally, all the layers. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in the middle of the onion. <laughs> it's empty. And I was at a massage place and she's psychic and she does psychic talk the whole time she's massaging. And she had me lay on my back first. And you know, traditional massage, you're always face down first and then flipped over. Yeah, for sure. She did the opposite. So my brain, of course, my old story. So this is not normal. And then she's talking lots. And part of me is like, oh, I wish she wouldn't talk so much. I just really need to relax and, you know, get the restoring stuff happening. And then she kept massaging my one arm and massage, massage. God, it felt like it was forever. And my brain kept trying to get into resisting it, right? And sure. so I was like, I was like, let go, just let go. And every time the brain came in to resist something, I was like, no, just let go. And all of a sudden it was like, I don't know how else to explain this, but her hands touching, put moving energy through my arm was like this radiant energy coming in. It was like as if God was fucking touching me. It was so strange. And then she moves over to my other arm. And all of a sudden, it was like, I, and I was listening to her talk and talk. And she'd even ask me questions. And my inner self said, don't answer. She just be. She did ask you questions. And, and uh, while she was doing the psychic talk, she was asked, she asked me a few questions here and there. Uh huh. But I didn't answer. Okay. Because my inner sense was saying, don't answer, just be. Just be, just be and allow. And I did that. And all of a sudden, when she got to the second arm, she's massaging, it was like I died. I felt as if I died right there. And my spirit was about to leave my body. And I was looking, I'm looking at my body, and it's like, and even the way she was moving my arm, it felt dead. And she says something around. She goes, yeah, I feel, I feel death. It's like, it's like, I feel like you're dead. And, and while she's talking and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. This is fucking cool. I never felt so, 
amazing in my life as I did that moment I felt dead because it was like all this pressure, this constriction was gone. It was like it was like a breeze, like I was a breeze. It was wow. cool. Did you feel free? Oh, beyond free. I think the word freedom is even a limitation for, for how I felt. Yeah. Such lightness of being. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So I don't think I didn't really die like as we see death, but it was a death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess the surrender is like a little death, isn't it? I mean, orgasm is a little death, lots of little deaths. Thinking mm-hmm. all, all the time we give up control. Every time we give up control. Hmm. That's making me think now. <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, it's like I, I was reading some Osho stuff. That that whole experience made me pick up a an Osho book. I don't remember what it's called now. Something about death. And he says that it, we just can't have life without death. Yeah, right. <laughs> like in in every moment, the cell is being born, another one's dying, kind of a thing. And and everything, every every time I speak, you know the death are becoming my words are becoming death, right? Because they disappear and die. So mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever had a near death experience? Well, I'm not really sure I had a really bad car accident once. And uh, I do remember my sister was yelling at me to come to so I don't know how long I was out. So I didn't wasn't when I was aware that I left my body or anything like that. So I would say possibly no, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Have you? Mm. I had a surgery one time and I had a really hard time coming out of the anesthetic. And mm. I was I was not conscious, but I could feel all the energy of the people around me and I mm. could hear everyone. And I could, and I could hear the alarm going off that every time my oxygen sat fell below a certain threshold that the, the, the alarms went off. And I had this beautiful angel who was my recovery nurse named Kathy. And she bent down and whispered in my ear. And she said to me, I know that it's really hard for you to breathe right now. Um, but I need you to to stay very calm and to know that you're going to get exactly how much air you need. And I need you to just pretend that you're sipping it through a straw and just take the breath. Like you're, you're sipping the air through a straw slowly in and know that you'll get enough because you're not going anywhere on my watch. That's what she said. (laughs) And, um, and she, and, and I mean, the alarms are going off. And so at the same time as her words were really confident and badass and calm, I could feel her fear. I could feel that she was very afraid that she was going to lose me. Mm. And, uh, she called for the anesthesiologist to come and, uh, and, and visit me. And uh, she actually had to go on a break and left me with somebody else. And I remember feeling terrified, like, no, you can't pass me to this person because I could feel that that person didn't have the same level of investment in me living. I could feel the energy of that. 
and um and she passed me to the person and then her break was over really fast like I I actually don't remember any time with that other person um and then Kathy was back and the anesthesiologist was there and the anesthesiologist said like she seems fine. I don't know why you're wasting my time. I was in a surgery. I, you, you know, you dragged me down here and she literally undressed the, you know, really reprimanded verbally in front of me, which I heard all of it, this nurse who was really concerned for me and the nurse had to defend herself. And she said, uh, I just got back from break and I'm here to tell you that she is doing really well now. And when I left for my break, that was not the case. And it was a great concern. And I called you because of that. So I felt very cared for by her. <laughs> and, and, and I really, except for the fact her. that she went on a break while you were in really bad shape, but, <laughs> right? but I'm guessing that's what she had to do. Yeah. I don't know. And I mean, I suppose they're all professionals and, you know, I, I lived, I mean, she didn't leave me unattended. Another person took over cause I, I was in a one-to-one -one situation. Mm. But um, in recovery, but you know, she was, she was great. So, mm. and then when I had my ear surgery in September, I had a, a hard time as well um, coming out. And I had another angel whose name I don't remember who, um, who, who was, who was like, but she was totally calm about it. She was like, right. She wasn't where I couldn't feel her fear. I couldn't feel any of her fear at all. She was like, yeah, you're doing fine. Do you need more of this? You need more of that. Uh, I was also at a different level of consciousness. I could talk and I could, I could respond to her. So, whereas the other one, I couldn't make my diaphragm, my diaphragm was frozen from the epidural and I couldn't, um, I couldn't actually make my lungs expand to get the air that I needed to breathe. I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest and I couldn't get the breath. I couldn't get any breath in. So I thought I was going to die. I mean, especially because that machine kept going, rrr, 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 freaking out every, every, you know, minute. Yeah, I was in one of those uh, um, rooms after an operation and my machine was doing the same thing because my oxygen level kept dropping too. But it was because I was covering my eyes with my arm because it was so bright and my, apparently my arm went over my mouth and <laughs> suffocating myself. <laughs> Oh, the nurse, and the nurse wasn't so pleasant either. <laughs> she was quite upset. You didn't have a Kathy, huh? <laughs> reprimanded me for doing that. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, we're, we're coming close to the end of the podcast. Um, tell me what's the, uh, what's the most important lesson or most important piece of wisdom you can give to people that maybe you give to your clients um something that seems to be well needed and well responded to mm. well i do a lot of couples coaching and i am mm. a gottman certified gottman couples therapist in the gottman method by the gottman institute as well as um, training in tantra counseling and neuro-linguistic programming and emotion-focused therapy eft and so combining all of that together, <laughs> that's kind of where it all comes from. Um, something that I find myself often saying is this concept of um, this 
this person is your beloved. And so somehow can you get to a place and a space within you where you can drop the armor of protection, the shield, and drop the sword of attack and just be vulnerable because that's where the magic lies. When we speak vulnerably, we have no need for ammunition nor armor. And we really connect truly and authentically with that other person. And we talk to them like they're someone we love, <laughs> right? Because so many times in relationships, we're talking to that person like they're someone we do not love. That is not the way you talk to someone you love. And so I, I think that, that that's my number one suggestion and tip is figure out how to go vulnerable and be vulnerable and say it differently. And so instead of saying like, you know, passive aggressively, the kitchen is a disaster or, you know, why don't you clean up the dishes? You know, saying, I would love it if you would do the dishes together with me. That would make me feel connected to you and closer to you. And I'm longing to feel those things right now. Mm. Mm, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I guess I do have one more question. What's your deepest desire right now? You're just slaying me with these hard questions. I, next time we do a podcast, I would like the questions in advance, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> I don't want to manipulate you like that. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, I'm going to cry. It's like my deepest desire like I, I think it goes back to what you said about who am i like someone who just wants to love and be loved and my deepest desire is that for everyone you know we we i i really think at our essence that we we all want that and mm -hmm. we do so much to sabotage it and so much to guard against it and armor up against it and to prevent it and to ward it off if it starts coming toward us and and i really i really want to you know, support myself and others being un, unguarded with that so that we can receive more love than we've ever let ourselves have before. And so that we can give love, even if the other person doesn't give it back. And with that, thank you for being here. <laughs> uh, you're just a beautiful human. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me to do this and being persistent with finding a time. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.